They say what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, and James Jones and Sean Marks taking that incredibly literally this season as the Kevin Durant saga continues. I'll tell you what's holding it up and where it could go from here on today's episode of Locked On Suns. You are Locked On Suns, your daily Phoenix Suns podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We are back. This is Locked On Phoenix Suns. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, and I'm your host, Brendan Clean, a credentialed media member covering the Suns for the past five seasons and a writer at Suns.com and Dime Magazine. A big thank you for making Locked On Suns your first listen today and every day. Happy July 11th. Welcome to a new week. Welcome to almost week three of the Suns Kevin Durant saga. Again, a big thanks for making Locked On Suns your first listen here on this Monday. If you're finding us on your favorite podcast platform, go ahead and hit follow or subscribe to make sure you don't miss this show every single morning in your feed. And if you're finding us on YouTube, a big thank you. That is the best way to support the show. Go ahead and hit the subscribe button down below and drop me a comment telling me when you think Kevin Durant finally gets traded. We will get to the Ish Wainwright observations that I've had at Summer League, but we need to start with Kevin Durant, what the latest is, where I think the negotiations will go from here, and again, that ultimate question of when this thing finally wraps up. Today's show, guys, brought to you by Bet Bet BetOnline has you covered all season long with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. All right, so a few catch-up tidbits since the last time that we spoke. Brian Windhorst, Zach Lowe, and Nick Friedel of ESPN all unanimously agreed on Friday morning on GetUp and sent the internet into yet another tizzy. They all agreed that Kevin Durant would be a son by next season, so that's kind of where I want to pick up. Windhorst has been most locked into this story, it seems like, um... He, he, he said on a separate, I think, TV hit somewhere else on ESPN last, late last week as well, quote, when the Nets put him on the market, him being Kevin Durant, I think they thought there was going to be a tremendous bidding war. And while there is a lot of interest, from what I can tell, that bidding war isn't really hot right now. The teams have made their offers and they don't really feel the need to increase them. We'll get to this specific deal package that was talked about in that same segment on GetUp, but in that segment, Windhorst also added more reporting around this, saying that nobody is offering four picks and three swaps, sort of the full armada of draft compensation that's available. Nobody's offering that to the Nets right now. And then last but not least, uh, online sportsbooks have taken Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving the next team odds for those two guys completely off of those websites. So, what are we left with? We're left with a ton of momentum in the reporting that continues to indicate that Kevin Durant still wants to be a Phoenix Sun and most likely will be a Phoenix Sun, but we are in a little bit of a holding pattern as it relates to the negotiations, the offers themselves. We did hear as well that Two of the trades that from the Brooklyn side got floated were 
with Minnesota, a deal centered on Anthony Edwards and Carl Anthony Towns and most, if not all, of the available picks to trade. Resounding no there, of course. Similarly, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and all of the available draft compensation from the Lakers. These are ridiculous. I also don't think that they're recent. I think that this is some of the news that has trickled out. Maybe that was talked about that very first weekend after Durant requested the trade as uh, Sean Marks maybe made the rounds and just hoped to get a complete gamut of everything. And he's not gotten that, and he's not seeming to get the type of bidding war, negotiation, sort of uh, frenzy that he probably thought was going to happen. I think he looked at the fact that he had a superstar player locked up for four more years and thought, I am going to get a complete treasure trove. But I've been telling you on this show all along that that 34-year-old star is also a guy who's only played 90 games in the past three seasons combined, past three regular seasons, and only wanted to be in one place. So what does this all mean between what Windhorst is reporting, the agreement from all those ESPN guys that Kevin Durant is going to be a son? I think that Kevin Durant naming Phoenix and making that his number one overwhelming priority has worked. I think no matter what angle you spin this from, everything else, aside from the injuries, which I, I think matter, but everything else would indicate that Sean Marks was correct, right? That there should have been a bidding war. There should have at least been trade packages better than the one that got mentioned in that Get Up segment, which I'll talk about in the next bit of our show today. There should be more than that out there. But the market clearly is not what Sean Marks hoped, and I think it's because Kevin Durant did what he did. The loudest reporting out there right now continues to be linking Kevin Durant to the Suns. Now, it still feels like there might be some distance between Brooklyn and Phoenix in terms of what a trade will look like doesn't feel like we're necessarily incredibly close to a trade happening, um, but it feels like Kevin Durant is going to be his son. He wants to. The Suns have what it takes to get him. That's always been the case. That has been my echoing cry this entire time, and all of that makes it more likely that Kevin Durant ends up on the Suns sooner rather than later, but what is standing in the way? I'll tell you what I think, but first, today's show, guys, Brought to you by BetOnline.net, your number one source for all sports betting needs and info. You can find the latest developments across the sports spectrum, including league reviews, analysis, and news, including on this year's uh, baseball regular season, NBA Summer League, and I'm already getting excited for the World Cup. I don't know about you guys. We are four months away, but it feels, it feels much closer. It'll feel even closer when league play starts up next month, which I'm excited about as well. But World Cup winner odds are already here at Bet Online. Brazil, the favorites at plus 500. The good thing about betting four months ahead of time, though, is everybody's, and it's just such a big tournament, Everybody's got pretty good odds. If you put even just a little bit of money at plus 500 for Brazil, the favorite, you're going to win a good amount. It's part of what's fun. It's the same thing as like, you know, the NCAA tournament. You can get these pretty good teams at a pretty good price. The United States is at plus 15,000. I think we would all be pretty surprised if the U.S. won the World Cup, but some tasty, tasty stuff. They have top goal scorer, top assists. They have prop bets. They have who's going to get out of their group odds. Tons and tons of stuff already over at Bet Online. The best spot 
for sports scores, podcasts, news, and analysis all year long. So head to the website today or use their mobile app to learn more about the latest betting trends and action. Bet online where the game starts. So Zach Lowe proposed a specific trade as well on that segment of Get Up where Windhorse talked about the draft situation and all those guys from ESPN agreed Durant would end up a son when it was all said and done. Here's the trade that Zach Lowe proposed Friday morning. So, Suns would give up Mikhail Bridges, Cameron Johnson, Dario Saric, four picks and three swaps. Again, four picks and three swaps is the most that is allowed under the rules in the collective bargaining agreement. You can't trade more than that many years out. And the Stepien rule, which has been in place for a long time, is what limits you from offering straight-up picks back-to-back years. So the swaps offset that. So this would be 23, 25, 27, and 29, and then swaps in 2024, 26, and 28. Brian Windhorst said in that segment, once again, that he doesn't think the Suns have actually offered a package even that big yet. And that doesn't feel like the Suns' best offer, because it doesn't have DeAndre Ayton to it, which I'll get to as well here. Locally, John Gambardoro has maintained since the jump, he has used the same exact phrase, which makes me feel like he heard it directly, that the Suns don't want to, quote, gut the team to get Kevin Durant. In this construction, which would give up Bridges and Johnson in a trade directly for Kevin Durant, and most likely there would be a separate sign-in trade that involved DeAndre Ayton, whether it's Indiana, who we'll talk about in a second, or somebody else, that would be them gutting the team. It would. I don't know what you get back for DeAndre Ayton. Let's say it's Miles Turner. Even still, do you feel like if you're James Jones and you end your offseason with a lineup that is Booker, Paul, Durant, Crowder, Turner and your sixth man being campaign still and on and on, that that is a championship favorite. It's it's one of, but it is not the type of thing that you're expecting to get back when you're swinging for the fences in a trade like this. So I think that would quantify, qualify as gutting the team. So what next? If that's where we stand now, what next? My guess is that right now, just reading the tea leaves of what John Gambadoro is saying and what Brian Windhorst is saying, is that the Suns right now are offering a package centered on Cam Johnson. They are pl- And that, ladies and gentlemen, is playing hardball, right? And then any two of Shamit, Crowder, and Sharich would be options for matching salary. Maybe even three if Bridges isn't going to be in there. Maybe it's all three of those guys and Johnson Plus multiple picks, but not the full batch of picks. Because again, Windhorse has said that the Suns and or anyone else, nobody's offering that full four picks, three swaps type of thing right now. We know the Raptors won't include Scotty Barnes. We know that I think the word that was out there was that the Pelicans are reluctant to include Brandon Ingram. But even still, Cam Johnson, to me, Offering Cam Johnson as a centerpiece, if that's indeed what James Jones is doing, the reason I call that hardball is because Cam Johnson is by no means valued as highly as a Pascal Siakam 
or an OG Ananobi, or probably even a Tyler Hero, his draft mate, right? At the end of the day, if this doesn't include Aiton, which I believe more and more that it won't, I think you eventually have to include Bridges to get the, the deal done. But maybe, maybe it's worth continuing to play that hardball. So negotiation-wise, here's kind of where I see things going. The Suns should continue to offer Cam Johnson as a centerpiece, but escalate and, in fact, do include all of the picks. If you can do something that is Johnson, Shamit, Crowder, and Sharich, and all of those seven draft compensation pieces, maybe Brooklyn accepts. Because right now, it's Johnson and only a few picks. And that's just an insulting offer, frankly. We know what the Nets are looking for. Cam Johnson is not an all-star player. And those picks are not even everything the Suns can give up. So, okay, then upgrade to the picks to being everything that they can give up. But see if you can continue to have the centerpiece just be Johnson. If Brooklyn doesn't accept that, then maybe you switch in Bridges, but you don't include Johnson anymore and say it's one or the other, but not both. And if you want Bridges, you're not getting all the picks. And maybe you can then even take, because Bridges makes more money, you can take some of that matching salary away and maybe you can keep Jay Crowder. So I would probably say if Brooklyn says no to the cam and all the picks offer, then you say, okay, Mikhail, Mikhail, Shamit, or Mikhail Sharich, or maybe all three of those, and maybe two firsts and two swaps. Especially now that we know that there's not much of a bidding war going on, I just feel that it would be a big mistake for the Suns to give up, again, Bridges, Johnson, and Ayton all in this one offseason without getting reasonable replacements. Now, maybe... Maybe Miles Turner is that replacement, right? And maybe that helps stem the bleeding a little bit, but let's get to the Pacers side. Indiana, as we currently stand, still needs to make cuts to get to full max cap space. In addition, John Gambadoro, right before I logged on to, report, to record this, um, posted that he had heard that Malcolm Brogdon has not yet taken a physical. And so the trade to send Brogdon to Boston and clear a little bit more cap space on the Pacers side still isn't super officially official. You look also at the fact that Zach Lowe included in his proposal in the, on ESPN on Friday a deal that doesn't, did not include DeAndre Ayton and it makes me feel again and I finally start to believe that Brooklyn maybe truly just never did want Aiton. And, I, and I'm finally coming around to that because you're just not hearing a lot of Aiton mentions when it comes to the Kevin Durant reporting and the trade offers that are out there and on and on. You're just not hearing it very much. So then the talk becomes, can the Suns orchestrate a sign and trade with in, an Indiana or another team and get something that the Nets do want? And can that be part of the trade? Could you do something like Cam Johnson, Miles Turner. Um, I don't think they would want Landry Shamit. So let's say it's Jay Crowder. Let's say it's Cam Johnson, Miles Turner, Jay Crowder. Maybe you get another pick from Indiana alongside Turner because he is just an expiring contract and he's had some health problems. Let's say it's a, a lottery protected future first round pick. Can you include that? 
and that becomes another first. Maybe in addition to four from the Suns, you give you now have an Indiana pick, and now you have five. I've talked about in the past how having picks from multiple teams is a pattern we've seen in these trades. If you look at the Paul George deal, if you look at the Anthony Davis deal, the team that was receiving the big haul often liked the opportunity to get different teams' first-round picks because then you're not just relying on the team that's trading with you to end up being really bad, but now you have this other team. If the Suns could give up a Pacers pick and it's a 2025 Pacers pick or something and the Pacers are still just pretty mediocre by then, that could be the 15th, 16th, 17th pick. That feels pretty good, even if that year the Suns might have the 25th pick, right? I'm not sure if Turner or a a lottery-protected Indiana pick moves the needle and, and just gets it done, but every little bit helps. Here's the bottom line. I'm still not 100% sure that the, that the Nets don't want DeAndre Ayton. I could see it being a bluff, but I believe it more and more. On the other hand, as much as I was just talking about the Pacers stuff, I'm also still not fully convinced the Ayton to Indiana momentum is real. It could still. Remember, this is important too. DeAndre Ayton and Miles Turner have the same agent, Bill Duffy. So... If Bill Duffy has the simultaneous goal of getting Miles Turner out of Indiana and a sign-in trade is one of the best with Aiton would be one of the best ways to do that and he wants Aiton to get the most possible money, well, Indiana, some sort of rumors or leaks centered on Indiana being interested in signing Aiton to a big contract and potentially cooperating in a sign-in trade, well, that checks both of Bill Duffy's boxes, Right? So this could just be that. It could just be more leverage. It could just be more public negotiating via reporters. And it's just very difficult to know right now. Brooklyn is trying to make the Suns bid against themselves right now. And they're not having success. James Jones has a solid opportunity, I think, to hold out and give up, for example, Johnson, Turner, Crowder, Shamit, four Suns first, and Indiana first, and three Suns swaps. That is a package that he could realistically pull off that is actually giving up some ground from what he's currently offering. It would be increasing his offer. And it doesn't seem like a lot of other teams are doing that. That would be a huge win if he could pull it off. And it's reasonable to keep holding out on it while he still has the leverage and while the rest of the NBA sits pretty quietly and lets this play out. James Jones has the power here and he's wielding it the right way. All right, let's get to Ish Wainwright, who has now played two Summer Suns League, Suns Summer League games this season and has looked very good doing so. First guys, today's show brought to you by Rock Auto. With so many makes, models, and trim packages out there these days, it's very difficult to walk into a local chain auto parts store or heaven forbid a dealership and get what you need. So why endure often pointless or intimidating questioning and wait while that person scrolls through their inventory, lists you off a price you know you can't afford to pay, and screws you over. You have a computer, you have the internet, (laughs) you have access to rockauto.com at home, and in your pocket. So save time and money and switch to Rock Auto. You can save 30, 50, even 100% on the same parts. And the reason so is because Rock Auto has been doing this for 20 years. They've been serving do-it-yourselfers online who need to fix their cars in a hurry for 20 years. I bought a car recently. You guys know that I uh, had to do it very quickly. I had to do it abruptly. I had to do it more expensively than I wanted to. And my number one priority once everything became such a disaster was let me just get a car 
that I don't have to worry about breaking down on me so that I do not have to deal with parts. There's inventory shortages at car manufacturers right now. There is price increases everywhere, but Rock Auto has kept it consistent. We've had them as a sponsor for years and I can vouch for it. I've shopped here, I believe in it. Go to rockauto.com right now, see all the parts available for your car or truck. And when you make your purchase, write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices and all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. So H. Wayne Wright has uh, come alive during two summer league games for the Suns, honestly. Um, it, it might sound like a little bit of a silly thing to say about Summer League, but I feel like I've been more impressed with how H. Wainwright looked, especially in the first game. Obviously, the Suns lost by 25 on Sunday. I might even be more impressed by him than I was by Jalen Smith last year when everything was set up to just be a Jalen Smith showcase and they wanted to do a trade for him and everybody knew it. I think H. Wainwright, especially in that first game, flashed a lot more things that make me feel like he's going to be a rotation player than Jalen Smith did in the same environment. And obviously this team's not built around Ish handling the ball, taking a ton of shots. On on Sunday, he only took eight shots, tied for second most on the team. Uh, In the first game, I would say the result was pretty similar. It was not like some sort of showcase for him, but yet... He still looked really good. So the Suns are clearly making it a priority to develop his jump shot. That's that's number one here. From a standstill in, in some corners, just as a kickout guy and, and spot-up shooter off screens, they're running sets for him in move off of movement, catching the ball and taking a, a three after he's settled his feet. That is a difficult skill, not something we saw him doing at all last year. So exciting that he was making some of those shots and that they're interested in at least developing him in that way. Um, it also feels like a full season in the system helped him to really learn the offense. He's He's been somewhat of a coach on the floor for these guys. You've seen him uh, directing traffic. You've seen him setting guys up. You've seen him being a communicator on defense, especially in transition. That's Some of that's on defense, but it's been the case on offense as well. And they've used him in a variety of ways, not just with the jump shots. He's played the three, the four, the five, and he is kind of just being a Swiss Army knife out there, and I just think that's indicative of he's been here now. And it's cool that he gets to play Summer League or that he was, I guess, amenable to playing Summer League, that he agreed on it, and that he's taking it seriously because it really shows and it's a valuable opportunity for him. Along those same lines, you know, passing. Passing is not something we really saw Ish Wright do last year, but I think it's really flashed in these couple of summer league games, some cross court swing passes, beating a rotating defense. You're seeing just normal ball movement within the flow of Monty Williams's 0.5 system, the system that the Suns are running. Steve Scalzi is the coach of the summer Suns, and he's been in his, he was an assistant all year last year. So we're seeing him implement a lot of these things. And I think Ish just showing and continuing to prove that he's just a high IQ player, period. You know, doesn't matter I think if he was in San Antonio and playing summer league after a year in their program, he'd be doing the same thing. He just, he gets it. A little bit of the negative, um, you know, he was hot from three in the first game, but he was only one of five in game two. He can still get blown by on the perimeter defensively, and he's just never really been the rebounder that you would like 
I remember uh, the Clippers game when he came when the Suns came back in that fourth quarter the last week of the season, or the Spurs game where Ishwain Wright played like the whole fourth quarter at center a couple months before that. We've seen some moments where his offensive rebounding, his energy, he gets on the boards a little bit, but it just hasn't been consistent. So there are still some negatives. I'm not saying that this guy is turned into a new player overnight, but you can see the improvement continuing to be there. He's been playing with the Uganda national team. He's, he was playing there for before he ever became a son, but he, he has continued to. He played, I believe, one or maybe two games as they're trying to qualify for the FIBA World Cup. And he is pretty featured. He is in a pretty featured role there. And he's been really good. Uh, you know, 20 plus points, filling up the box score, that type of thing. And, and I just think he's a late bloomer. He is already going to be 28 this upcoming season, but I don't know. I just watch him and I feel like he has the potential to be a Jay Crowder type of player pretty soon in this scheme, in this system. Um, on the shot side of things, he did shoot 33% from deep at Baylor as a college player. He basically has shot 33% overseas across multiple seasons, across multiple teams. So look, 33% in the NBA, that's a below average shooter, you know. League average three-point percentage these days is like 35-36%, I believe, in the NBA. It's gone up pretty dramatically as the teams have gotten more used to prioritizing that shot. But a passable jumper and reps at the NBA level just doing everything, I think I, I, I'm ready to say it could he could be a pretty good NBA rotation player if the Suns are willing to give him the minutes this year to let him feel that out, make mistakes, and be ready come playoff time to be that for them. I think he could probably play pretty good rotation minutes on most NBA lottery teams right now, but we know the Suns are going to want to win a championship, and so the bar is a little bit higher, but I think he could still cross it. Um, lastly on Ish, the Suns didn't, this is just some housekeeping stuff, but it's important to think about. The Suns did not extend Wainwright a qualifying offer, so after player becomes a two-way, uh, their two-way contract expires, they usually would become a restricted free agent, but in order to become a restricted free agent, the team has to offer you the qualifying offer. So, so the Suns did not do that, making him an unrestricted free agent, but obviously he's not been signed. My guess, and this is just my amateur cap expert, whatever, I, I am by no means uh, a genius on this stuff, but I could see them signing a one plus one. So a, a contract that's guaranteed for this upcoming season and then has a player option the next year for maybe just above the minimum. The Suns could go into their uh, mid-level exception, use maybe $500,000 or a million dollars out of that to give Ish just a little bit more than his minimum so that he can uh, you know, get rewarded. Maybe he is just a minimum player. Maybe it's a one plus one on the minimum. Whatever it might be, he could then play this year out and then become a free agent next season if he really blossomed or he would have an opportunity to stay for two full seasons beyond this one. And then in 2024, when he would be a free agent again, the Suns would have his bird rights, which would allow them to, uh, to go over the cap to re-sign him at a time when, if Durant's here, Paul, Booker, Durant, I don't know if Paul would be here, Bridges too, etc. They'd be a very expensive team and they could then go over the cap and give him any sort of uh, big raise that he's eligible for and not have to worry about uh, the rules restricting them because of those bird rights. The game results themselves, guys, they've been mixed for the Suns in Vegas, but I truly believe Ish Wainwright has been solid across 
both games, and he's proven yet again why he's worthy of a roster spot on this team. And I just think he's worth continuing to invest in. I think he should be on this team next year. Whether Kevin Durant is on it or not, there's a roster spot open for him if he wants it. And he, uh, he he's just somebody that I would bet on continuing to get better, even though he is a little bit older. I just think the amount you could you can visibly measure how much better he's gotten from the first time he took the floor in preseason last year or at various junk garbage time moments in the regular season last year up until now it's 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 very very night and day and i just you, you got you got to see it out i'm con- i'm excited to continue to watch and obviously again hope he is back next season that'll do it for today guys hope you enjoyed the weekend Hope that you enjoyed Summer League, and I'll be here recapping those games and continuing on the Kevin Durant hunt, so a big thanks for making Locked on Suns your first listen. Make it your first listen again tomorrow and the rest of the week, but until then, make your Locked on NBA your second listen to catch up on all things going on around the league this weekend.